you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 13. Aren't you glad that He, our Redeemer, has washed our sins away? Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, we'll begin reading in verse 8, down through verse 16. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today, and forever. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, for it is good, a good thing uh, that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have occupied therein. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sins, are burned without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here have we no more continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with, with, with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Look with me back in verse 10. I often preach, I have preached from this several times, but looking at it with a different intent tonight says, we have an altar whereof we have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. Which they, I'm sorry, which they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, Finding That Sweet Spot. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. We ask that you'd meet with us tonight. You know the needs of every person in this room. Lord, you know the the heartaches that people face, and Lord, you know the struggles that are before us each day. But Lord, you said that you'd be with us, you'd strengthen us. Those who know you as their Savior, Lord, you said you'd never leave them, you'd never forsake them. Lord, help us to hinge our lives upon that promise, Lord, that you're ever with us. But Lord, help us to point others to Christ, that they also might know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's not about religion. It's not about all that many people make it about, but it's about our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to lift you up tonight, strengthen us, draw us close to you, and may you be glorified, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. The altar has always been a place of meeting with the Lord from the very beginning. We find over and even in Genesis how that Cain and Abel, they offered a sacrifice. It doesn't say anything about an altar there. Actually, you don't get to find it where it talks about the altar until you get a little farther over when Noah in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20, Noah built, it says, And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast of every fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. This was after that the flood had taken and over and and after Noah had came off the ark, he took uh, the clean uh, animals and he offered them on an altar as a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. 
They sacrificed them on that altar. When we get over here and you go on through the Bible, and actually over 300 times the Bible talks about an altar, mentions an altar over 300 times. When we get over here into the New Testament after Jesus Christ has, has paid our sin debt for us, the altar is different. The altar is different. In fact, we see here it says in verse 10, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. Uh, what he's talking about is the fact that Jesus Christ came. He was the ultimate sacrifice. And those who are continually putting their hope in works of the, of the sacrifices and so forth uh, that this world uh, uh, used to make. Uh, Israel, they would offer the animal sacrifices up. He says, they have no part with the altar that we have. It's a different altar. Some look at the altar that's spoken of here as the cross. That's, I think that's a good analogy. The fact is, is that Jesus Christ was offered upon the cross that we might have eternal life. If you're not saved tonight, listen, Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died in your place. You owe a sin debt that you can't pay. And one day without the payment that Jesus Christ made for you, you will die. You'll drop off into a lake of fire forever and forever and forever without any type of hope of ever getting out. And Jesus Christ came that we might have eternal life. Here we are, we're at Christmas and... And the Lord sent His Son into the world, the gift that we speak of that was given. But it doesn't stop there. It's more than just the manger. As I was speaking with Randy and Pam, she said, my, my, she said I, I can tell you like Christmas. Yeah, I do. I like Christmas. She said, my favorite, favorite one is Easter. Well, it is too. But I love Easter because that's the completion of the whole story. Amen? Amen. The completion without the cross, we have no hope. Without Easter, we have no hope. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. Our hope is built on Jesus Christ and His shed blood and absolutely nothing else is going to make a difference. If you have never come to a place in your life where you uh, acknowledge that you're a sinner without hope and you've never come to that place where you ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart and life and you turned your life over to Him, my friend, I want you to know something, you have no hope. But Jesus Christ paid a way for you and me that we could have that hope. Amen. We get into this into this where we're talking about here in Hebrews where he talks about the altar that they have no right to, uh, therefore to, to, to partake in. And he's talking about those who do not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's a new altar for you and me. And I'd like us to look at this tonight. And I know it sounded a little bit strange, the title that I gave it, but uh, I'll explain that to you here. We have an altar that is a sweet spot. He says we have an altar there in verse 10. This altar is not like... Uh, that where they made sacrifices. It's different in our lives, yet it's a place to receive forgiveness of sins. I want you to understand what I'm talking about when I talk about a sweet spot. You know, if you play baseball, and, and uh, Cy plays baseball, and some others play baseball, there is actually a place on a baseball bat that is called the sweet spot. It is in the meaty part of the bat, not out on the end, but a little bit farther back. You say, well, it's the same size all the way then. It's not out on the end. It's a little farther back. And it's, that bat is balanced, and they know that if you hit it with, all, with, with some strength at that, at that sweet spot, you don't have to hit it and swing the hardest that you possibly can. All you have to do is hit it on that sweet spot, and it's going for a fly. It's out of there. It's called a sweet spot. The same thing in golf, there's a sweet spot, they say, on, on any type of driver or anything, that if you hit it in that sweet spot, 
it's going to do the very best that it possibly can. If it's uh, in tennis, there's a sweet spot on the racket of that tennis uh, racket that if that ball hits that spot, it carries the best that it's very possibly could. If you play basketball, there's a place on that court that is probably what you might call your sweet spot. Otherwise, you, you can pretty well drill it from that spot about every time you're there if you play ball. Unless you're like me, I can't drill it anywhere from anywhere anyway. But anyway, the fact is, is that there's a sweet spot. And it's where things are happen at their very best. And in fact, if you would look up sweet spot, you would find some, a terminology like this, the point or area on at which it makes the most effective contact with the ball. Could I take that and say this about the, about the fact is that we could use that terminology to describe our position in our walk with the Lord? There's a position in your life and a position in my life that is the most effective contact in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just anything will do. Not just anything uh, brings the sweetness of God. Not just anything could be called uh, that sweet walk. Every one of us realize that, uh, whether we admit it or not. There's times in our lives that we're closer to the Lord and we're walking with God and you feel the presence of God and the power of God and the touch of God on your life. And it's unlike any other time uh, that, that, that you can describe. That's the sweet spot. That's the sweet spot. That's the altar. That's the place God wants us. That's the altar, the sweet spot that the Lord is trying to get you and I to come to. A place where, there's, where we are the most effective for Him in that presence and all that we have in our lives that we might see the hand of God working continually in our lives and do some great and mighty things. We have an altar. Let me refer to this altar as that sweet spot tonight as we go through this, as we experience the Lord Himself. First of all, it's, it's found, the sweet spot is found. It's found by the sweet spot of sacrifice. The sweet spot of sacrifice. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. If we go through the, through the Old Testament, what you will find is you will find that the altar was used as a place of sacrifice. A place where they would sacrifice animals for the atonement of sin. A place that they would, would sacrifice animals as a peace offering. A place that they would sacrifice all those things for, for that they would go through the Levitical laws and there was all kinds of sacrifices and the blood would be gathered together and it would be poured upon that altar as a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord that their sins might be forgiven, that God's hand might be upon Israel, that God might overlook them, that God might uh, take care of them and guide them and direct their lives and, and watch over them is a place of sacrifice. You realize that that place, that sweet spot is an altar of sacrifice for you and me. As we draw near to the Lord, as we should yield our lives and as we should yield our, ourselves unto Him, surrendering our will unto Him, allowing God to do a work in our hearts and lives. It's this place that we give all unto the Lord, surrendering our lives and our wills and, that will, that, uh, and all that we have and are to be and to be used for Him, for His honor and glory. It's a place of sacrifice. Can I tell you that you'll not find that sweet spot with the Lord in your life until you're willing to make that sacrifice in your life. 
You see, yes, you received Jesus Christ. He made the sacrifice for you as He went to Calvary. But now He asks us to be a living sacrifice for Him, to follow Him, to live for Him, to serve Him. He didn't ask you and I to, to die and, and that would be what he's pleased with. If he Sometimes if we do die and people die and, and trying to live for the Lord. There's Christians that are martyred and so forth. I understand that. But what I'm saying is he wants us to live for him. He wants us to, to walk with him. He wants us to fellowship with him. And so there's that place of a sweet spot of sacrifice. You say, preacher, that sounds like a a type of Christianity that's serious. It is. Don't you believe Jesus Christ was serious when we went to Calvary? Yes, sir. We live in, light, in the light of that cross. And because He was serious about you and I, we should be serious about Him. Amen. Too much of Christianity today is flippant, lighthearted. Turn it on, turn it off like a light switch. Well, I'll tell you what, we need to get back to what it's supposed to be. It's a living sacrifice. You say, well, preacher, that means it's going to cost me something. That's right. It's going to cost you living for the Lord instead of for yourself. What is needed today is that we live for the Lord and lift Him up and magnify Him wherever we're at. People get all caught up when you talk about, about uh, making that sacrifice. They, they think that all you th talk about is money or something. No, my friends, it's more than money. It's your life to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for you and me. That's the best we could, the, we could do. At least we could live for Him and magnify Him and putting Him first in our lives and, and taking that step. You say, well, preacher, I, 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 uh, what about this and this in my life? Hey, listen, if the Lord asks you to give it up, would you be willing to give it up? If the Lord asked you to change this in your life, would you be willing to change that in your life? Because I'm going to be honest with you, over the years, God has spoke to my heart and dealt with me through Scripture to change things in my life. And I have a choice to make. I can make the sacrifice, what I call my sacrifice, but really it's not. It's my reasonable service to follow Him, to do what He wants me to do, to be a testimony, to be a witness for Him. That others might see Jesus Christ in my life. That others might know what has made a difference in my life. That changed my life. There's a sweet spot called an altar of sacrifice. My friend, unless we're willing to make that sacrifice on that sweet spot, we'll not understand what the sweetness of God really is. We'll not experience the hand of God in our lives like we want to. That doesn't mean you're not saved. I'm just saying that, hey, listen, there's more, to, there's, more than there's more to it than just going to heaven. God wants you to enjoy life here, but He wants you to enjoy it His way. And He wants to be there for you. He wants to, to carry you through those difficult times and struggles in your life. He wants to be there with you at all times. So it's found by the sweet spot of sacrifice. It becomes a sweet spot of worship and praise then. Once you find that place in your life where you're willing to live for the Lord and to serve. Hey, listen, today we've got so... And let me just back up to that last point. We've got so much of this stuff. I call it Hollywood Christianity. It's a bunch of junk. You say, well, preacher. No. They go out and, and make the, some of the movies and be in some of the stuff that they're in and, and, and use all the foul language and the nudity and everything else and, the, and then get up and, and say, I just want to give God the praise. My friend, I want you to tell you something. Hey, if you're going to live like that, don't say anything about God. Amen. You say, that's kind of crude. No, it's not. It's the truth. Amen. 
We got sports figures that everybody's lifting up. He said, now you're getting on, a, on, a, on your horse, aren't you? You're going to, well, I, yeah, I'm going to. We got sports figures, even up here in Kansas City. Oh, I'm going to make some of you mad now. <laughs> they claim to be Christians. I'm not saying they're not saved. But then when they win the Super Bowl, they pour booze all over one another and make a, a show of it. And, and then they, don't give me that stuff. It's, I got to get nice now. <clears throat> See, what I'm saying is this. There's the real thing. And there's that which Satan wants to elude everybody to thinking that's the real thing. We call it counterfeits. I'm not saying that those people aren't saved. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is they've never found that sweet spot of sacrifice to live for the Lord. Boy, we need that today. We need that today so desperately. I see it continually, people who claim to be Christians and they're living their lives just like God don't exist. Like there's no tomorrow. Or like there's no eternity that they're going to give an account to God. And all the need is, is that we would realize that there's that place where as a Christian, we're to find that sweet spot on that altar of sacrifice unto the Lord. There's that sweet spot also, as I mentioned, of worship and praise. The psalmist said, Give unto me, or give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Notice there that how we're to worship him in the beauty of holiness. There's a sweetness there. There's that sweet spot. The sweet spot of worship is not necessarily in, in a church. It's not necessarily uh, uh, in, in the presence of others. But I'm going to tell you something. There ought to be a sweet spot of worship in this church. Amen. There ought to be a sweet spot in our lives. I'm talking about our lives. I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about all that. I'm talking about there ought to be a sweet spot in our services where we worship the Lord, where we lift Him up, where we magnify Him, where we glorify Him, where He's exalted and, and lifted up. There ought to be a sweet spot there. Amen. And my friend, when we get to that place when it's all just humdrum, where we just sing the songs, and we just say, well, praise the Lord once in a while. And it all becomes mechanical. We have left the sweet spot of worship and praise. And oh, how we need to have that in our services. I'm going to tell you what. These, these young kids and these older uh, fellows over here and different ones, they need to see, they need to experience that, that true worship of the Lord. Not something that's worked up. I'm just talking about something that's real. Something from the heart. Something that, that will make a difference in their lives as they understand that, hey, listen, we worship a mighty God, a holy God, a righteous God, a God that loves us and cares for us. Hey, listen, that sent His Son into the world that we could have eternal life. He does he deserves to be worshipped. He deserves to be lifted up. He deserves to be exalted. He deserves all that we can give unto Him. Well, we need to find that. Boy, some of you, I tell you what, if you said amen once in a while, it, it, it probably, 
Uh, you just pass out. <laughs> no preacher, you'd pass out. I probably would. <laughs> some of you, <laughs> it's kind of funny watching some of you once in a while. Somebody lifts their hand, they're like, I'm not saying be fake. I'm just saying, hey, listen, you can get excited at a ball game. You ever watch these nuts watching all these football games? They're up in Wisconsin, one of the coldest places to be playing football. They're out there. They got their half of their, their face. They ain't having a shirt on. Half their face painted one color all the way down, and the other half painted the other way. They got a piece of cheese stuck on top of their head. And they're screaming at the top of their lung, Woo! over a piece of leather that 300-pound men fall on top of. <laughs> I'm not against football. I like that. And, I, and I'm not against the Chiefs. I watched them the other night. Got excited when they beat the Chargers. But I'm going to tell you what. There ought to be a sweet spot of worship in your heart and life. Amen. It's good to have it here, but boy, I'll tell you what's good sometimes. You're just by yourself. You might be driving down the road and slobbering and spitting all over the windshield. I don't know. But just enjoying God. Praising Him, giving Him thanks. You say, well, preacher, I'm going through difficult times. Can you praise Him for saving your soul? You say, well, there's difficulties. Can you praise Him for, for just the, the air that you're breathing, the life you're living? Can you say, well, I, I'm going through and I'm and Can you praise Him for eternal life? A heaven? Oh, we need to find that sweet spot of of praise and worship of the Lord and, and to lift Him up and to magnify Him. It's, a, it's that overflowing of thanksgiving and gratitude unto Him. It's that expression that places you in the awe of the Lord Himself as you humble yourself before Him and exalt Him. And then there's that sweet spot of prayer. It's the altar. Going to the Lord. Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13, he says, Then shall they call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. But notice here, here's the sweet spot. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Do you want the sweet spot of prayer is? When your heart gets involved. Not just praying words. Not just repetitions. Not just something that you've heard before, but from your heart. I've had people over the years say, Preacher, I just don't know how to pray. I said, how do you talk to your dad? Some of you, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> but I said, why don't you thank the Lord? Why don't you exalt Him? Just talk to Him. He's God. You don't have to have all the proper things. Hey, listen, just lift him up and talk to him in prayer. That sweet spot of prayer is when you are willing to do whatever it takes to get along with God. That sweet spot of prayer. I don't know how many of you in here, probably Randy and, 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 and Pam and, and maybe Brother Sister Swift and maybe a few others in here have heard of the Rochesters. Rochester's a lot of times, I've been in a lot of camp meetings and they would be there singing and, and uh, 
there's a song that their daddy wrote years ago. It's called The Old Rock Altar. And the story goes something like this. Their daddy, when they had nothing and, and they struggled, and, but they served the Lord and they lived for God. And he would go out and early, early in the morning, he'd walk down through the woods. They lived out in the country there and he'd find a rock and he'd go down to this one spot and he'd place that rock. And he'd kneel down by that rock and he'd begin to pour out his heart. It wasn't the rock, but it was the heart. Might be a day or so later, he burdened, he'd go down towards that, where that rock was and he'd find another rock and he'd pick up a rock. He'd take it down and he'd place it by that other rock. And he'd pray, call on God, not because of the rock, because of his heart. Day after day, he'd do that. Before long, there was an old rock altar built. He wrote a song about the old rock altar. It wasn't that pile of rocks that really was the altar. It was the heart that yielded unto the Lord. And that became that altar. It became kind of a sweet spot, you might say, for him. Sometimes, and there's nothing wrong with that, sometimes you have a place that maybe you like to get off to just by yourself, just you and God. And that's fine, that's good. But remember, the altar's right here. As we get along with God and as we pray and we begin to seek His face, and we call on to Him, asking Him for whatever it is and the desires of our heart. It's that place where the heart is connecting with the Lord. That place that you want to talk with the Lord, not just at Him. You see, there's a lot of difference between talking to the Lord and talking at Him. So many times as Christians, we just talk at the Lord. And we really don't talk with Him. You want to find that sweet spot? It'll be a spot where you're talking with Him and not just at Him. You see, if I'm just talking at, at Blake, I'm just saying things to him in my mind is someplace else. And my interest is really not in what I'm telling him. My interest is in something else. But when I really zero into Blake and begin to talk to him and, and thinking about, this is my grandson, this is, I want to see him live for the Lord or whatever it is that we're talking about, I'm interested in him, I'm interested in, in what we're talking about and, and, I, and he's got my full attention and, and, and uh, I'm listening to what he has to say. Then I'm really talking with him as I allow him to speak back to me. My friend, say, well, how, God, I've never heard God talk. Oh, my friend, you need to pick this up then. Amen. And oh, how he'll speak to your heart.
You say, preacher, I, I don't quite understand that. I don't completely understand it either. I can tell you that the message I'm preaching right now, for the past several days, Brother Randy, you know what I'm talking about. There's been one thought in my mind. I've been thinking about, Lord, what do you want me to preach? And I kept thinking, sweet spot. Sweet spot. And I was thinking yesterday as I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking, Lord, I really need to be settled on what you want me to preach tomorrow night. He's a sweet spot. You say, you heard that? No, it just kept coming in my mind. I went home, and I don't tell Hunter and Janine. A lot of times Hunter will ask me, say, what are you preaching? And I said, on the platform. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times I, he said, well, I want to know what you're preaching, so I kind of know what song to sing. I may tell him, but I usually don't a lot about it. And I kept asking God, Lord, what do you want? And all I was getting was a sweet spot. This morning, during Sunday school, I was sitting down there. And I said, Lord, what do you want tonight? He said, sweet spot. And all of a sudden, I thought of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 10. We have an altar. And God said, that's the sweet spot that altar and oh how we need to spend time with the Lord in prayer and find that sweet spot where we're not just talking at him but we're talking with him you see it's a place where you're fervent and you're earnest in your prayer and sometimes you're just willing to wait on him and even sit quietly in his presence I don't know what you do, but there's times I'll be praying and I'll just stop. So what are you doing, preacher? I'm doing what the Bible says, being quiet, waiting on the Lord. You see, sometimes we are, get so wrapped up and we get in, want to get in and get out that we don't take the time to listen. He said, well, preacher, how does he speak? In a still, small voice. In your heart. But if we want to find that, still, that, that sweet spot, we've got to be willing to stop and listen and wait on the Lord. There's a sweet spot in sacrifice. There's a sweet spot in worship and praise. There's a sweet spot in prayer. And there's a sweet spot of closeness. One of the things as a pastor that I desire in my heart and life is for that God's people have a close walk and a close fellowship with the Lord. It's not that they would brag on my messages. 
Because if they're mine, they're not worth bragging on. But it would be something from the Lord. But my desire is that for my kids has always been, Lord, let them know you. May they know you. I want them to experience you. I want them to know you. Not just know about you. And oh, there's that place, that sweet spot where we get to know Him. I said, Preacher, what's that like? I started dating Susan Janine Keeler years ago. He said, Who's that? Janine. <laughs> Do you know her name was Susan, did you? And when I want her attention, I say, Susan. <laughs> and then when she wants my attention, she throws something at me. <laughs> and as we dated, we dated for two years. Was engaged, got married. I had to drive 180 miles to date her. That's dedication. Some of you guys in here, you may have to do the same thing. I think we need to take up an offering for some of these guys to buy some gas. <laughs> the fact is, is that I got to know her a little bit and a little bit more. But you know when I really got to know her is when we were around one another, not so much on the phone. And yes, we wrote one another. We got to know one a little bit that way. But when we was together, could I put it this way? I had to drive 180 miles to get to know her, really. That was drawing nigh unto her. The Bible says if we'll draw nigh to God, He'll draw nigh to us. Where's that sweet spot? You know where that sweet spot was? When we was dating? When she was sitting right here. In that Chevy half-ton, four-wheel drive, two-tone pickup, chrome roll bar, chrome push bar. Oh, um, anyway. <clears throat> that was the sweet spot. Where we talked. And got to know one a little better. A closeness. After we got married, I still let her sit there. Why? Because there was a closeness. We began to live in the same house, believe it or not. And there was a closeness. And for the most part, you could just about ask Janine what I would think about anything and she could tell you. Don't ask me to tell you what she thinks about anything. <laughs> but that's the way it is with God. To get to know Him, you've got to get close to Him. To really enjoy the fellowship, you've got to get close. Oh, it was good talking to her on the phone. 
It was good getting the letters and writing the letters, but there was nothing like being together. Can I tell you, there's nothing like being close to the Lord and drawing nigh to Him so that He'll draw nigh to you. That sweet spot of closeness in your life, that sweet spot of closeness where there's peace and, and there'll be joy and the feeling of God's power in your life is you find that sweet spot near Him. You feel the presence of God and see God do great and mighty things in and through you. That sweet spot of closeness. To find that sweet spot of all these that we've mentioned, we've got to constantly, consciously, I'm sorry, seek that place near the Lord. Could I take you back to Jeremiah 29 that I read a while ago? It says, Then shall they call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And notice what he says in verse 13, And ye shall seek me, and find me, when ye shall search for me, here it is, with all your heart. Amen. When a person gets saved, they don't get saved by just repeating a prayer. They don't get saved by being baptized. They don't get saved by church membership. The Bible says, yes, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you have to go to the verses before it to understand it. Verse 10, he says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confessions made unto salvation. Then he goes down to verse 13. says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's invoking the heart in salvation. Wanting the Lord, not just repeating a prayer. Not just saying, oh yeah, I want to go to heaven and pray. And, oh Lord, save me. But the heart. But it's the same way if we are to experience that sweet spot. In our lives, we must seek Him with all of our heart. Going to church isn't just enough. It helps. It's important. And we're commanded to. Hebrews 10.25 says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, such as the manner of some is, even as you see the day approaching. And it's talking about the return of the Lord. So he says, yes, I want you to be in church. But he said, listen, if you really want to find that sweet spot, he says, seek me with all your heart. Again, that's getting serious about living for and with the Lord here and now. There's a sweet spot. We have an altar. And it's a sweet spot. And I think about the fellowship. Oh, how sweet it can be. When you find that sweet spot, you talk to some of these professional baseball players and they talk about hitting that ball out there on that sweet spot. And it's like, man, it was just right. It was in the right spot and I hit right out there on that sweet spot. Can I tell you something? There's a sweet spot that the Lord wants you to find in Him. 
Let's pray. Lord, we come to you and we ask that you meet with us now. This invitation, help us to desire and consciously, Lord, seek that sweet spot with you. Whether it be in worship, whether it be in sacrifice, whether it be in, in, in that closeness or in prayer, may we seek you to have that sweet spot. May we find it to experience you as you want us to. We thank you and we praise you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed?